So I have my damn it. I started with soap. Fuck. Um, I have my cold <laughs> open, <laughs> but I started. I open. I refreshed YouTube right before we started uh, recording. Yeah, and, lay it on me. And Mr. Sunday Movies has a video. Mr. Sunday Movies, who I would argue is a big influence on my desire to make a podcast. Oh, yeah. He has a movie called Best and Worst Marvel Legacy Characters. Okay. And I love that. So <laughs> on, on the thumbnail, it has the word worst over Scarlet Spider and the word best over Sam Wilson, Captain America. Okay. And like... What, what are we saying by legacy characters? Like characters who guess, aren't the original version of that character? Not the classic version of the original character. Because, yeah. like, one would argue Isaiah Bradley is the first Captain America. Okay. So Steve Rogers is a legacy character. But... Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the classic identities. So I would argue more that Miles is a legacy character as opposed to Ben Riley, But I guess they both are. Yeah. And then, which is funny, because Kane is a legacy character of, Scar- of Ben Riley because they've both been Scarlet Spider. <laughs> it's kind of a cool... Yeah. idea and i want to watch that video it's only it's 15 minutes long so i'm gonna watch it at some point in my life but sure. before you do do you have any candidates that stand out to you for best or worst as far as story and i fully credit jason aaron over for the execution mm-hmm. i think jane foster is one of the mm-hmm. better legacy thors mm-hmm. that we've gotten in the last couple decades yeah She's really made a name for herself. So Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. That's a a great one. Again, a Matt Fraction complete. Like she got introduced in Young Avengers uh, by Bendis. And she didn't really catch on until she started cameoing in in, uh, the Fraction Hawkeye. Right. And then she just took off from there. Fantastic there. Yeah. A failure would be Yelena Belova. As a black mm, widow. Yeah. They can't they can't stick to one thing for her. Yeah. Now like she's she, the white widow, but right. yeah, it's it's not. She doesn't she doesn't really yeah. carry her own weight. Okay. For Iron Man, yeah. Is War Machine a legacy Iron Man? I would say so. Yeah. Versus like an Ironheart. He was he was Iron Man before he was War Machine. He did, yeah. He 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 pretended to be Iron Man when Tony's identity was a secret. Yeah. There's a more one-to-one argument that Arno Stark would be the legacy character, but I, I don't know I if think, they're going to I think they're all I that. think they're all legacy characters. Like I think Yeah, can, it's not like you can only have one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What are the legacies that are out there? Oh god, Amadeus Cho as the totally awesome Hulk was not a You were not into it. Hulk okay. legacy. Nah, it's uh, it it wasn't it wasn't Okay. It I didn't I didn't never read any totally awesome Hulk, so I wasn't all about it. Okay. Mm, oh gosh, what about Oh, I guess you didn't you didn't read it, but like when they brought the first X-Men from the past to the current, are they legacies for themselves? No, no, I don't think so. But it's it's that is that is that is disturbingly easy to argue. Yes, <laughs> right, because they yeah. all of them except for Iceman really took their own paths. 
and even Iceman, like, you know, came out. Yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> his like legacy turn is yeah. that he got outed. Yeah. Marvel girl learned this, like she turned into like this, she glows pink mm-hmm. and like got this like super TK power where like it was just all over her body for some reason. Okay. Didn't make sense other than like let's differentiate her. Because right. she only ever used it a couple of times. Okay. But then Hank dabbled in magic. Young Hank dabbled in magic. Right. Young Warren kept his powers from the black mirror. Uh and so he was like cosmically charged. Black Vortex, yeah. Sorry. I didn't I didn't show. read that one, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> Warren thought, what if t- what if phones, but bad? And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he kept his powers from that. So he was cosmically charged and had like fire wings. I guess Cyclops didn't really have one either, except for the fact that he got to have a, a father. And so he went yeah. and like did the space pirate thing with Corsair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a whole lot for legacy there. Yeah. Oh, he became a champion too. Right. And he Ooh, dated he, he Kamala dated Khan. Top tier. Kamala Khan. Arguably, easily argued, argued as the best legacy character of the last 15, 20 years. Totally. Totally agree with that. Yes. Laura Kinney is up there. Laura Kinney is way up there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just haven't read a ton of Laura as Wolverine, but I would say even as X twenty three, like I, I would put all like kids who have similar powers, mm. or other family like other family members who have similar powers, or uh-huh. like I would even though she's a character in her own right, like it it I don't want to diminish any of these characters by calling them legacy characters, right? But Definitely. I would say I would say like She Hulk is a legacy character. Yes, She-Hulk definitely is the legacy Hulk character. And I think she's great. Yeah, I think Bucky as Captain America was an interesting plot line, but I think it was ultimately not successful. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, He also was only, he was only Cap for, <laughs> gosh, like not even two years. Yeah, yeah, they really didn't, didn't go for it. Uh, I think it might have been two years. I feel like he had like a 25 issue run. Okay. Here here's my my spiciest one. Thunderstrike. Thunderstrike is not a good legacy character. No. Thunderstrike nor his son Thunderstrike. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was 90s getting in the way of of good storytelling. Yeah. What if Thor but dark? What if, yeah, what if Thor but chains and a vest? Yeah. <laughs> and a ponytail. Yeah. I mean, this is the same decade that gave us Aquaman with like a hook for a hand <laughs> and an eye patch or something, right? I think that was later. Was it really? Okay. I want to say, well, the. I the, just like, can't think of a more 90s idea. <laughs> the hand hook. I, he didn't have a patch, but the hand hook, okay. I think, was New 52. And I'm oh. only saying this just to weed out the DC bros that listen to our podcast. <laughs> Are there? Are there any? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, just if you are, if you are a DC bro, leave a comment. (laughs) 
I, I'm not going to look it up. So yeah. as as of now, my D, my DC headcanon is he doesn't he's never lost a hand until New Fifty Two. Man, oh, speaking, I I have a uh, somebody who I follow on Twitter. Just and seems like a very pleasant person. Otherwise, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like fan of the pros and so on, mm. is a Snyderverse truther. Like restore restore the Snyderverse guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's a hell of a hill. That is a hell <laughs> I mean, of a. I, I like. I guess I knew conceptually that people like this exist. Uh because i have been told that there was a fan outrage about restore the snyder cut and apparently it was successful enough that they restored the snyder cut yeah Mm. it it moves really slow let me tell dude okay so i you know what again it's exactly like i was saying in our conversation with tay which Maybe it'll come out before this. Maybe not. I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't have any room to talk shit. I didn't see any of the Zack Snyder movies, uh, DC movies, not because they were DC, but because they were made by Zack Snyder. Like, I hated what he did with Watchmen. And I think he's just an all around hack. But are those movies good? I can't say for sure. I never saw them. I never plan on seeing them. If this, if that's your boat, if that's your thing that makes you happy, that makes, you know, living in this cold, dead universe worth trudging through, by all means, enjoy the Snyderverse. And you can enjoy that alone because I will not be there with you. <laughs> you can enjoy that without me. <laughs> Checks out. All right. Should we start an actual podcast? Oh, no. We should start our actual cold open. No, that's fine. Uh, That sparked a handful of really random conversations that I think works as a cold open. And I will save my cold open that I was going to use today for another episode. Okay, then. So what are we doing here as the credits roll? where we talk about the things that we are hyped on, comic books especially. Uh, I'm Steve Storman, one of your hosts in Brooklyn, New York. Joining me via the Miracles of Modern Technology, although not for that much longer because I will soon also be in Santa Barbara, from Santa Barbara, California. It's William Freeland. Hi. That's that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I read comics. Yay! What'd you read? Over this last week. Let me tell you. Dude, what what a... What a week. Okay, so I read The Marvels Volume 2. Okay, cool. Small refresher, and we'll get into it more later. The first volume of The Marvels kind of expanded on the whole Xi'an Kong, the war in Xi'an Kong that right. is now, you know, this the is, it's the replacement of the Vietnam War, so we can yeah. move it. <laughs> move it up in the sliding time scale so that all these characters who have origins within the Xiang Kong conflict aren't aren't horrendously dated yeah. by real world chronology of the Vietnam War. It also brings back characters like Arcus, A A R K U S, 
Okay. Who hasn't been in comics for a long ass time. The name sounds familiar. He was the original Vision before we had oh. an actual like synthesoid Vision. Interesting. That was what he went by, I should say. Okay. And then there's this other character, Ace. He's dressed like a Beyonder and he has a motorcycle and he pops up as plot pusher forwarder whenever he's needed. Okay. Just it's so basically this book exists to explain a couple of things, but also like connect decades old characters and storylines with current characters and storylines. Yeah. And, and Buziek went through great lengths (laughs) to make, to make this work. The first volume was kind of weird. And the team up was kind of weird, but the second volume really brought things together. This was very interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then we have Al Ewing's Venom, second volume of that. Interesting. And <laughs> we remember that the first volume had Eddie Brock going to the end of time <laughs> and meeting up with Meridius, who was a king in black also. I'm sorry. It's just, this is never, I know I say this every time you talk about Venom. I'm so sorry. But cosmically important Venom will just never sit right with me. I will just never, Dude. like, it will never be, like, not that, I, it, again, it's only because I didn't read any of this, right? Right. And so I'm uh, comparing no, I hear it against the I Venom that's you. in my head. But I just, like, I hear this and I'm like, wow. the brain-eating guy? <laughs> The brain-eating guy is going to the end of time and, and you know, okay. Yep. Yep. On top of that, now he's like, so, yeah. So I only fully accept it. One, because I have to, but then also. <laughs> you are owed read, nothing. You owe nothing to anybody, Will Freeland. You. I read, but I read the, like, the progression. Yeah, of like exploring the Clintar totally. and the world, and how Venom became different from the rest of the Clintar, and like like it was given to me in chunks. Yeah. Whereas you're here at the end of of the entire story, and I'm totally. like, hey, by the way, Venom matters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Venom lives matter. Anyway, so and then so yeah, at the end of time, you have this guy Meridius, and he's a king in black. Eddie is a king in black, and then we we met four other symbiotes at the end of time who are also kings and blacks mm-hmm. and timey-wimey stuff multiple eddies trying to reach out to dylan to right. tell him to get safe and all this other stuff so this is following up on that and it makes things make a little bit more sense i don't know okay. it, we'll get into it and and then we have ghost rider volume one by benjamin percy Okay. This is our first title for Johnny Blaze post King of Hell. Okay. He gave up his seat as the King of Hell during King and Black. So recently. Sure. And then this is his first solo title since then. Because previously other ghostwriters, uh other ghostwriter titles have been following Robbie Reyes. Right. Who's now in other universes and being the all writer and doing doing Jason Aaron level Avengers stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so weird. Um <laughs> I okay, I still stay I think about it way too much, but I still stand by my 
assertion that Jason Aaron has to question the idea of the spirit of the Avengers. Yeah. Because he has to go bigger than anyone else right. has ever yes. been. Yes. Yeah. And so and and so I I want like I want to see where this goes yeah. with his Avengers Forever is this other book that he's writing, which is mm-hmm. the multiversal Avengers stuff. Okay. I want to see where it goes. I want to see what his payoff is going to be. Mm-hmm. Here I am, 12 volumes of Avengers later. <laughs> and I'm, now I'm curious. <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. Anyway, so those are my three. The Marvels, Venom, and Ghost Rider. Cool. What you got? I had a light week of reading, but I read the prelude to the 12. It's just mm. three three issues. Uncanny, number 375. So we got a nice big anniversary issue there. And then X-Men 95. Oh, sorry, four issues. X-Men Unlimited 25 and Wolverine 145. So big reveals, final stage uh, setting, and the 12 proper after <laughs> basically the last year of cable being like, hey, the 12 is coming. Oh, the 12. Oh, the wait, tw- the 12. Oh, time, hey. time to stop what I was doing and go get serious about the 12. It, it's, it's finally coming. I legitimately only remember one thing about the 12. Okay. It's just it's one panel. <laughs> it hasn't been referenced or paid off. No, since. of course not. I know, but like, given okay. a handful of things, I feel like they could. Oh no! It uh, oh, it, it is built up to be like this is the most significant X Men story that has ever happened, and within the next two years, they do go through two complete continuity, like line wide creative team and editorial direction changes, <laughs> like <laughs> just oh my god. Anyway, the twelve. The twelve. Um, I said last episode that I have two books for the twelve. Yeah, I lied. So I have big picture. I have yeah. three books referring to the twelve. Oh, two of them are the twelve that were these old world World War Two team that were just <laughs> like regular humans, and uh, there were twelve people who became the twelve, and like. They were like street level superheroes in okay. like the twenties and thirties. Anyway, That's very there's two different. books of that. It okay. is, and then I have the one book of the twelve, which is the X Men story of the twelve. Do you want to read it with me for next week? Sure, I can go and grab it. That'd be fun. Cool. Oh, oh, we're gonna be doing that in person, huh? Yes. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, down for that. Mine's gonna be all crusty and like dusty, <laughs> and yours is gonna be like digital and fresh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Let's do that. Cool. Shall we hop in? Or oh, did you have yeah. more? Or is this no. all? No, that's all I read. I I didn't remember if you listed three or four. Anyway, all right. So the Marvels. The Marvels. This was six issues of really random shit. Okay, so this is where I'm at in my head right now. Okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I want to like naturally I want to talk about the takeaways and the settings for this book yeah it's hard to talk about them not in chronological order because if I say oh so this was revealed then you're like wait what oh yeah but then because back so 
I'm going to do what I can. So there's, best, there's, yeah. there's this character who is new to new for this book. Her name is Warbird. Okay. It's different Warbird than Carol. Carol Danvers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's the cover of one of the issues. So <laughs> we're going to get into. So <laughs> the second issue of this book, they go into her history and who she is. Anyway, she wants to go to Shan Kong, Sian Kong, Shan mm-hmm. Kong, because the trail for her father is goes dead in Shan Kong. Okay. In the first volume, a giant black dome showed up around the entire country, similar to like what's what Steve Rogers did in Secret Empire. It's not a big deal. Anyway, <laughs> no communications in or out. Um, teleporters don't work, I guess. It is what it is. So that's why she's there. She ends up crossing paths with Arrow, the wind dancer girl introduced from right. Marvel Future Fight. Oh man. She's a really good card in Marvel Snap. I'm deep on Marvel Snap, by the way. Dude, I don't so know if do. I don't know if I've told you this. I am, <laughs> I am deadly deep on Marvel Snap. The last time I heard about you is you just said, oh, gods, I downloaded Marvel Snap. <laughs> it, it hasn't stopped. <laughs> and you left it at that. <laughs> I like how simple it is. And I like that there's no duplicates of the same character with different powers and stuff. It's just like alternate cards that you can play. Yeah. Like alt alt arts. Yeah. yeah. Which limits, but doesn't limit the number of cards you can make. Like Mm. it limits it in the sense that you can only do one of each character. However, there are so many characters. Yeah. And so it it becomes like a, it becomes an exercise in restraint on when you, on how often Mm -hmm. you release more cards. Yeah. Cause like comparing it to like Marvel puzzle quest, for example, and it's like right. you've got your one star Black Widow, your two star Black Widow, your three star Black Widow, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I am very interested um, to see how Snap is doing like a year from now, two years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, they, they already have gone for some pretty obscure characters and avoided, right. and avoided some pretty like, you know, obvious ones or more obvious ones. Like they've got arrow sword master and wave in there, mm-hmm. but they don't have like cannonball or havoc. Mm. Interesting. They have the infinite yeah. in there. Uh-huh. Who in the last 20 years, he's shown up in one storyline. <laughs> and before that, I think he was randomly used back in the like Kirby era. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> he's very, he's very like abstract. Yeah, yeah. It does sound like a very Kirby concept. So he's an explorer. He's a multiversal explorer. Yeah. And he's huge. Yeah. Like if he came to Earth, he would destroy it because he's so big. <laughs> it makes sense for his card design. Right? And yeah. so... Blue Marvel keeps an eye out for him because he mm-hmm. shows up every like 20 years trying to visit our, our reality. Yeah. And Blue Marvel keeps on pushing him away, basically, <laughs> not letting him show up. And yeah. then they decide he just he put together the ultimates and then he was like, okay, well, the time is up. Infinite's gonna show up. Let's deal with this. And so they get a bunch of pin particles and shrink them mm-hmm. down to like a manageable size. And then he joins, <laughs> he joins. Infinity's 
Infinite War, War of the Infinites. Okay. Where the the first iteration of the universe, which was a monoverse, which created the yeah. So the first iteration of the universe of the multiverse was a universe. Oh, it was okay. it only had one reality, and he was bored, and so he created the Celestials. The Celestials <laughs> got bored; they wanted to create things, which ended up creating options, which ended up creating the multiverse. So then, the second wow. iteration of reality is the first multiverse. Oh, fuck! The world just doesn't want me to talk about this. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, the in, the Infinite joined Infinity's team to fight the first reality. Okay, <laughs> because. All of the iterations, all the personifications of the multi exist in the overspace. Sure. <laughs> and then and then the uh, backwards reality decided to look in the mirror and say a Bloody Mary three times fast. And that's how we got into the Bloody Mary verse. Yeah, sure. Yes, exactly. So the infinite is there. So the infinite's yeah. shown up, I guess, in like half of two different storylines but <laughs> but the fact that marvel snap made him a character is so strange uh-huh. anyway so in the marvels um <laughs> <laughs> so war i don't even remember how i got there anyway uh war oh arrow warbird's hanging yeah. out with arrow and then she's this black a african-american presenting <laughs> lady mm-hmm. with dreads and okay. she looks like hawk girl from justice league okay for those who don't see because this is an audio podcast. Uh, I'm so fond of reminding you. She, I, I, dude, I show on camera for you because you don't yes. have the comics right in front of me. I know. But she, turns out, is the daughter of a Shi'ar mother and a Wakandan father. Oh, this, the, the interstellar Wakandan empire Wakanda? Or no. Earth Wakanda? <laughs> This is Earth Wakanda, and because sometime in the past, oh God, okay. (laughs) So when I said that they go out of the way to like bring (laughs) continuities together, yeah. So everyone is captured and they have a minute to rest. And so Cap is like, Warbird, you want to tell me your story? I get that Uh you're looking for your dad, but like the more we understand, the more I'm willing to help, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So she's like, fine. Do you want to expedi- exposition dump us here for a little bit? Cool. Thank you. That, that's basically, yeah. Yeah. So flashback to when the first Groot showed mm-hmm. up. And it's uh, a reference to, I think it's uh, Tales of Suspense when Groot shows up. And this version of Groot with the like big hulking tree oh, yeah. colossus, floor like colossus, with the antlers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The monster from Planet X or whatever. Yeah. And because the people of Earth were able to beat him and send him off world, that accomplishment caught the eye of the Shi'ar. And so the Shi'ar go to Earth to go investigate how Earth got so significant and so strong. What's mm-hmm. up with that? Yeah. And they land in Wakanda. So Wakanda and Shi'ar meet and they form alliances and yada, yada, yada. The commander and... Oh, sorry. They met they met the Jabari, the Jabari tribe. Mm-hmm. And so they team up with the Jabari tribe and yada, yada, yada. One thing leads to another. Battles here, battles there. The... the 
the commander of the Shi'ar and the leader of the Jabari fall in love and they have a child. So mom, the Shi'ar left at the end of their investigation. Daughter stays with, uh, grows up with her father, learns to fight. And then in her teenage years, she sprouted wings. And so she became warbird. Then daddy disappeared and she's off to go and look for him. Now, I feel like a Jabari, so Jabari, the Jabari tribe, for those who have watched like Wakanda forever and or Black Panther, like this is like the gorilla tribe. Yeah. So like big guys. Yes. And a a race of of people with hollow bones. I feel like (laughs) physically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's some physics involved in the lovemaking process that I feel like <laughs> is really <laughs> incompatible. <laughs> yes, I see where you're going here. <laughs> and this has stuck with me for a week. <laughs> Just thinking about the logistics of gorilla-themed Jabari tribe Wakandan <laughs> with bird-themed hollow-boned scout leader lady that yeah you have to be very careful or else you're causing significant damage yeah like back break actual back breaking damage (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) so warbird can fly and she has a chip on her shoulder because she's looking for her dad sure other people who are on this like team expedition team that ended up in they're trying to get into Shun Kong Captain America Iron Man Storm Black Cat Arrow Warbird this guy who's the nephew of the tinkerer hmm. okay. he's, he's just some kid he's yeah he's got he's, some he's been tinkered for okay yeah he's got tech that he's like stolen from his uncle kind of thing sure he literally is the tinkery Yes. <laughs> Johnny Storm and I think that's it. So, okay. and a bla- and Black Cat if I didn't say. Her. Okay. Very random team. Yeah. None of which make a whole lot of sense, but Arcus joins them and he's like oh, what's another really un- ununderstandable person? <laughs> he's obsessed with the smoke. Like in the same way that stereotypically like Swamp Thing from DC talks about the green. Oh. Arcus is led by the smoke. You're not talking about slang for like gossip. No. no. Okay. No. And, Arcus and, okay. is like a smoke master kind of guy. Okay. So he and, reads and, and not like smoking weed every day. No, he reads okay. and smells the smoke. Everyone has a different smoke signature. Oh, Every, like okay, he's sure. he's an aura kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he senses vibes. Exactly. Vi- vibes are his superpower. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. I'm really glad that's not the title of our podcast. We can always change if you want. So, <laughs> <laughs> Technically, this isn't where she was introduced, but she's been brought back. And we have Melinda May mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. now. Okay. She was already in Shen Kong when the dome went up. Okay. And so was this villain named Powder Keg who, quote-unquote, all he does is he creates explosions. And so, like, but, like, he has to punch. So, like, he has, like, explosive fists, 
And so he punches things and they explode. That's his mm-hmm. thing. Anyway, so unlikely band of heroes and anti-heroes. Yeah. The person we're fighting is this woman called the Lotus. And she seems to have these basically like your typical dark magic powers. And she's obsessed with these giant doors that are at the bottom underground of this temple. So I'm avoiding, (laughs) I'm doing a terrible job at giving the main plot because the main plot doesn't matter. It's literally the side stuff. Like every issue exists to be like, Hey, here's a random thing from Marvel history. And this is why it matters now. So like the main plot, the even Lotus herself, none of that matters. (laughs) It's just like, hey, Arcus is still around. He was hanging out in his own dimension, reading, communing with the smoke. And okay. now he has two children who he's been training. And then he was like old and had he had like a beard and eyebrows. And then he shaved it all off to join them so he could look exactly like he did when he was first introduced in the like 60s or whatever. Wow. And then, you know, that was the first issue. And then the second issue is uh, Warbird's backstory about the Jabari and the and, and Shi'ar. And sure. then the end of that issue is the giant door is locked, but thank goodness we have Black Cat and she can unlock doors. And so, so everyone has like their like plot purpose. Anyway, she opens the doors and they're like, what on earth is it? And then that's into that issue. So then the third issue is... Oh, it starts with a flashback of this old lady who sees Lotus and she cares for Lotus. And then they talk about the history of the like war that happened and the Sin Kong War, as it is called. And the global mm-hmm. elite had learned that there was a power in Sin Kong and they did not approve. Mm-hmm. This power, as we find out, is like that black magic power that Lotus seems to be using. But they, the, as far as referentially, people think that it's like a nuclear power, and you know you can't have another another nuclear power sure. in the global front or whatever. So the French show up, the the Americans show up. Everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to like find out what this power is, where it is, who has it, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> Lotus is in her labs, and everyone's trying to harness the dragon's bloom, as they refer to it, because they don't know what it is either. It's just this magical power. And then she, uh, Lotus, can summon these big old monsters to fight. And so Russia got involved in the past when you have like Crimson Dynamo and Titanium Man. And I think he's, he looks like Unicorn, but I don't, yeah, it is Unicorn because it's mm-hmm. his chest. Anyway, they're Russian superheroes that uh, joined the fight. And then one of the people who was in, was one of the American advisors was young Nick Fury, just random Nick Fury Sr. <laughs> random hues and theirs. And then there's this guy, Dr. Strong. Strang, strange without an E. Okay. He was <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Strang. Yeah, basically. So he was Lotus's kind of right hand man. And she sent him to America to basically like arms deal and try to try to get some weapons for Shen Kong to defend themselves. Yeah. While he's in America, he defects and thinks he can take care of the world on his own. And so then you get a flashback to when he fought old school Iron Man in his like Mark II armor. 
his giant yellow armor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lost that fight. And so he came back to Shan Kong, this tail between his legs. And then we find out that Lotus has two sons that she had trained to infiltrate the world. And one is, he's a royalist and he's he's one of the guys that will sit in like the, the Senate and try to uh, infiltrate the world through that. And then her other son is, a, is an army general infiltrating mm-hmm. the world through that. While we get that reveal, the Avengers in the Captain America Nomad era fighting in Shen Kong. So Hawkeye, old school Thor, one of Iron Man's first red and gold suits, and Nomad, which is Captain America was disillusioned by... Actually, this came... Nomad, yeah. I think, happened because Captain America did not approve of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he dropped the shield and became Nomad and basically had the deepest V possible on his <laughs> costume. And it was yeah, dark blue was, and yellow. <laughs> that was a real collarbone to navel kind of costume there. <laughs> also, Marvel and Scarlet Witch were on that team. While they are trying to push the front, Lotus opens, cracks the doors open a little bit and gets more Dragon's Bloom. Turns out she can use Dragon's Bloom to turn wounded and dead people into zombies to Mm -hmm. do more badness for her. The Americans fight the Russians and they fight the monsters and they fight Lotus during a a peace treaty meeting in Madripoor. Hmm. from all of the nations like Russia and America and other representatives, a fight between China and Russia and the American Avengers goes off and Marvel hits radioactive man. Who's a Chinese superhero and explodes and the building collapses and Lotus's two sons get killed because of that. She goes into the dragon's bloom door and like pulls as much of the powers she can into it, into herself, unleashes everyone in Shan Kong, goes blank, and their memories are wiped and they all leave. And they it's like a faded memory for them now. Okay. So that's all history stuff. And that's <laughs> that's why that's why Shan Kong isn't wasn't referred to back in the day during nomad and young nick fury era uh but it all happened (laughs) okay yeah and then the next issue you get to see inside the doors and you see these things and it looks like celestials Mm -hmm. and you're like what the f but they're not they're giant suits of armor so what the hell okay (laughs) yeah right so they're going through this place. They see these giant sets of armor. They're like thousands of years old and whatever. And then down at the bottom of the suits of armor, there's like a village that is abandoned and it's like a hundred years old. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. Looking for answers, looking for answers. Okay. They find skeletons and one of the skeletons has this ruby necklace and a Shi'ar gun. And so Warbird finds huh. the, you know, the body of her father. Sure. Skeletons reanimate and they start and like all these month all these animals attack everyone they have to defend themselves blah 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 and then they find ace and ace is like hey guys how you doing what's what's going on like ace is 
I, I don't know what Ace's deal is. He He's dressed in all white, just like a Beyonder. I think he's a Beyonder, but I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. He shows up on his motorcycle places. In the first volume, he showed up like on his motorcycle on the like 80th floor of somebody's lab, like Tony Stark's lab. And Tony's like, Ace, what are you doing here? <laughs> so like, <laughs> they just know him. Anyway, this is where it gets weird. So... Ace takes them to this other town that's all run down except one building is left. And that building is called Journey to Mystery Comics. It's a comic book shop. Interesting. And they go in and there's all these issues of comics that exist. <laughs> like actual like actual old school comics. Like, like Marvel comics? Like Homer the Happy Ghost, Brother okay. Voodoo, Man okay. Thing, Tomb of Darkness, Black Goliath. Chamber of Chills, DPZ, Where Monsters Dwell, Machine Man, Strange Tales, like a bunch of stuff. It's being yeah. run by it's being run by Threadneedle. And huh. Threadneedle looks weird. And if you if you his design doesn't really matter. And so uh I'm not really kind of sure into it because this is going on too long. But Thre- Threadneedle is like, hey, we just got um oh I, sorry. <sighs> what is his name? The Tinkerer's nephew is like, ooh, actually, well, since we're here, <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm looking to fill in some holes in my Fantastic Four collection. So he starts going through the back <laughs> issues. And Johnny's like, actually, his name's Kevin. If you'd like, yeah. when we get home, I could fix you up with that stuff. Marvel sends us like 30 copies a month each. He's like, <laughs> really? He says, that'd be great, Torch. I just never seem to be able to find any of the Gabriel Airwalker issues. I don't know why. So like... Oh my god. I don't know if I realized that Marvel was a company within the 616 that made comic books about the heroes in universe. It the Marvel I mean it, it's it's different a lot of times. Like there have been a lot of like cheeky cameos of like Marvel creators yeah. and stuff and, and right. like in the Marvel bullpen, like doing you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a recurring gag, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. As long as long as long as I'm as long yeah. as you're slightly as out of out of sorts on that as I am. Okay. Yeah. So Kevin's looking through the back issues and it turns out that they're all the same issue. It's called Marvel Mystery Comics. Mm-hmm. See the woman who was the world. And they're like, well, this is clearly what we're here for. So they read it. And it's the story of this woman named Shan Kaang or Kaang. Okay. S-H-A-N dash yeah. K apostrophe A-N-G. Because it yeah. can't be Kang. And it, right. <laughs> and it can't be Krang. <laughs> and as they're reading it, they're like, oh, wait, Sh- Shan Kang, is that like Sean Kong? Oh. And so I assume that the ANG, just like how Shang-Chi is pronounced Shang-Chi, not Shang-Chi, right. I, assume it's, I assume it's Kong. Yeah. But anyway, she the, the issue tells the story about how she's basically Gaia for this planet. And she loves the inhabitants of her plant of herself and they get become techno technologically advanced and amazing and then all of a sudden from space this deadly threat called the karaga k a a r a g g a look like giant flying blue 
lions. Okay. They come and they destroy her planet. And because they don't like, they don't like progress. The the gleam of your progress has caught our eye at last. We hunger little Shan Kang and we rage. And now little planet, we will destroy you. And so they, they destroy all of her civilizations. And Mm -hmm. then, so the survivors want to rebuild. And so they start to rebuild and they make those giant suits of armor to try to fight the Karaga. Down the line, they start to, to start to prosper. Karaga come back, destroy the armor, destroy her um, civilizations that have bounced back time and time and time again. This happens multiple times. Her people keep on trying to rebuild and then the Karaga come back and keep on destroying what she's built. So she as a planet is crying out in pain. She wants to know why. And they're like, and the Karaga are like, this is what we do. We destroy worlds. Get over yourself. Soon we're going to eat you too. And so the personification of Shan Kaang shrinks down to human size and starts to run. And she mm. digs down into her earth, into, into the bedrock. And she digs f- further, further, and further down until she comes out to a new place. And she forged through the space between worlds, and then she comes out to a new world. It's healthy and shining, and it's unspoiled. But still, she worried, what if the Karaga found her even here? What if they destroy this world and the worlds of this universe? She could not risk it. So she only came partway into this new realm, just enough to breathe air again and to feel the sun. And rather than become a world once more, she became she became a country, fitting herself in between the nations already there. And she camouflaged herself for fear of attracting the Karaga. She copied the nearby nation's lands and weather and ways and attracted people to come to live as as if she was their land. She borrowed these nations' histories, even when she thought them cruel, so she would not be found, would not imperil this world. So she became the country of Shan Kong <laughs> and uh, just inserted herself in between Vietnam, China, and Laos mm-hmm. and created herself, created her own country, created its people, like copied whatever under, and that's how you get Shan Kong in 616 Earth. <laughs> she is a being who was Gaia in another world, kept on getting messed up. And so she ran away, came to Earth. And instead of being another world, she just became a country so she could hide. Okay. <laughs> so that's what that issue is for. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> is to, to, to establish where Sean Kong, Sean Kong came from and why it's not in literally any history book. <laughs> <laughs> And, and okay, yeah. <laughs> I just like that they don't they like this isn't a level of like thing that they need to do for other fictional countries like Sokovia, Latveria, Terra Fortea, whatever. No, none of the. It's yeah. Okay. Yep. And then so because we've established all that, we need the big climactic ending. So the. Spirit of Shan Kong is like, hey, you guys are stuck in this other world. The Karaga are coming. I will help you if you help me defeat the Karaga or like keep the Karaga away from my earth. And they're like, yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there, she was like, okay, cool. So here's the door. And they run through the door and the Karaga are chasing them down. They close the door. And then because of that, all of a sudden, Shan Kong is like, okay, I can finally be. And so she starts to create herself physically. And she kind of looks like, a giant wood 
woman. They never really fully establish her body, but like it's it's basically like she's made of earth. Her her hair is made out of trees, mm-hmm. like a classic Gaia look. Yeah, and she shows up and she's like, "Ha, ah, this is great!" And then Lotus is like, "No, I I need the power for myself. Stop taking it back because the power is literally hers." And so as they start to fight, and as uh, Sean Kong is like, no, I need the power. It's my power. I'm taking it back. She starts sucking up and shrinking the country of Shan Kong because mm-hmm. that's her. And they're like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I'm unstable. I need these damn, I need my power. I need to, I need to live. And then uh, the heroes deal with Lotus. They knock her out and Threadneedle shows up. And he goes to Shang Kong. He's like, hi, sister. How you doing? And she's like, hi. I I, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, it's fine. We have somewhere to, to go. But like, you, you created this country. You're in the middle of destroying it. Maybe you don't. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And so she uses her power to save all the citizens that are being like swallowed up by the by the earth stabilizes the earth and so and and puts them all back and so the country is now smaller but it still exists and thread needle takes her through a portal to somewhere else and he's like all right let's see let's see see you guys see you guys later um it's better this way the country will remain so i can't say how much of it just remember your promise you will not let the karaga through they say you should always leave something for a sequel, but trust me, this is not a sequel you want any part of. Okay. Yeah. So Tony Stark helps make a giant containment facility because there's this like giant plume of dark energy coming out from where the doors are. Um, so there's a giant containment facility there. And yeah, they all kind of go their own separate ways. They're like, that was weird. And it's like, yeah, it was. And Kenny the tinker tinkery has kept a copy of the she who would be a world thing mm-hmm. it was odd yeah so now we have a warbird now we have a kenny who is tinker's nephew yeah. now we have a an established history of Sean kong there was a lot more old school references in the first volume than there was in this but uh dr strang and giving him like continuity with when he fought Iron Man, but then why was he in the first volume? A bunch of just like establishing stuffs. Mm -hmm. It was weird. (laughs) Yeah. I was really interested to see what would happen if and when Shen Shen Kong and Gaia and like the world computer that that governs the Eternals Mm. ever cross paths. (laughs) Just because those crazy, man. <laughs> because those are like entering the like forefront of conversation because of yeah. AXE and stuff. For and sure. so like just let it happen, but then but then throw needles like let's let's leave. So yeah. they they rem- it's so weird when they remove the threat from this reality to like end the story. Mm-hmm. So like Shan Kong did that, and then they did that with Civil War II. And it's just like, okay, so now you have this character, this really borderline omnipotent character in your back pocket. When are you going to bring him back? Yeah. I, I want to know. <laughs> uh, Chekhov's gun will always be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a thing. It happened. <laughs> okay. 
Venom, Volume 2. The ins and outs of the issues are not amazing. It's big, It was Dylan bonded with Venom uh, at the end of the first volume. And so the first few issues are kind of Dylan figuring out his place in how to be a hero and your, your classic like, oh, that blew up much much more in my face than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, just I was just trying to stop like a gun runner. Like now all of a sudden this there's a gang war, a biker gang war in this little town that I I hold up in. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with Bedlam showing up. Bedlam is one of the kings and blacks from the end of time, giant in red. Cool. Okay. And the end of the halfway through this, at the end of their fight, Dylan with with the Venom symbiote and Bedlam fighting. Bedlam pins him down. He says, Bedlam is my name. And he sticks him with a like a pointy finger through his heart. Oh. And oh god. And Bedlam says, Yeah. Venom says, see, we could snap you like a twig if we wanted to, Venom. We are a king in black. But no, we want to make you stronger, don't we? And pain makes you stronger, doesn't it? And then he says, survive, survive and come back to us. Look upon my face, boy, and no pain. And then, like, he he reveals his head. And that's the end of that issue, of the second issue of this book. Okay. I thought Chris Claremont was into the S&M stuff. (laughs) And so the next three issues are go back and follow Eddie through his jaunt through the end of time. And so Eddie as King of Black looks like this. I really like the change in the spider symbol. Mm, mm-hmm. And I, I, I really like this, yeah, this design. Like wider and so for more like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So he is trying. So in the first volume, he has successfully jumped through time a little bit to warn Dylan and reach out to him and be like, Hey, you got to get moving. So Eddie is meditating at the end of time. And so in this guard, he's in this garden that Meridius was like, this is my garden. It's all made of symbiotes. None of them have a voice anymore. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. (laughs) So Eddie's like, I'm going, I'm a king in black too. He said these are all dead symbiotes or whatever. I'm going to try and find a voice. And mm-hmm. so he meditates to try to get in touch with the symbiotes. And then while he's doing that, he envisions Dylan getting stabbed and it freaks him out. And then he turns to goop and jumps through time. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then he shows up in the... 602nd century, year 60,132, 134, in a different, uh, like a big black and white Venom suit. But this symbiote is designated as a war symbiote. And as he's figuring it out, the, the, the symbiote is like responding to him kind of like, a, like an AI. And 
it says when it says pilot mind query acknowledged current home world earth cycle is 60,134. I'm in the 602nd century on the flagship Nathaniel in the conqueror's service. It's a start, I guess, closer to home than I was. What now? Further mission data is to be provided by pilot mind. Can you, can pilot mind upload mission data? <laughs> anyway, so he turns around and there's like a whole mass of people and he's like, okay, this I understand. So he turns his hands into guns and <laughs> And and fights all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he beats them all because he's Venom. And then he sees, uh, oh, and then his AI says like, oh, there's a uh, battle Clintar detected ahead. It's a type four and he's a type two. The okay. type four. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's a red one. And so you see this really cool red and white hulking symbiote with giant like are extra arms on his back, but they're like, uh, like scorpion legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what the right <laughs> adjective is for those. Anyway, Venom deals with them by shunting off the ship. So, so he just goes out in space. Anyway, Kang shows up and he's like, "Hey, Eddie, how you doing? Uh, how have you been?" And he's like, "This is the first. You know who I am?" And he's like, "Yeah, we we're literally." close friends we've we've known each other for years and he's like this is the first time we've met and and king's like ah okay so this is a return trip for me but this is the first time for you <laughs> right so, <laughs> because time so he's like okay so this is what we do <laughs> i'm here to help you learn how to cement yourself in a time space and so let's do this and so they train they fight yada 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 exposition slash you know training blunt force training and then <laughs> King talks to him about the futility of time and manipulating history and this, that, and the other. And at the end of the night, on one of the nights, King goes and pours two glasses. And he is like, yeah, he hasn't guessed that I'm baiting someone else's trap. Who else could predict he'd even be here hmm? at this utterly random point in time? Who could possibly plan for that? It says, who indeed ends Meridius? who's apparently working with Kang on this. And then, so that's the end of the issue. And then the next issue, time has passed. It's implied that time has passed and he's continuing their training. Eddie, well, Kang keeps on telling him that he cannot win. He can't save Dylan. And Eddie's like, F that. I can change history for my son. It's fine. I got Mm -hmm. this. And so he leaves the symbiote and goes and try to save Dylan. And then that same symbiote goo, so that goo turns into a puddle. And then a frame later, it starts to reform again and it's Meridius. And he's like, so how'd it go? I can't imagine being Kang right now. (laughs) Anyway, so (laughs) Kang's like, yeah, he took, he took the, uh, he took the bait. He should be good. And so Eddie jumps back into a remaining goo from the King and Black invasion takes over and, it, and he's in like some grandpa's house and grandpa's on a laptop. And so he's like, excuse me. And so he sends an email to Archer okay. who is the person that Dylan was supposed to be, meet up with last volume. And so now we see how that got set up. And so after that, after he sends that email, he feels himself getting lost in the time stream again. So he jumps back into the time stream and he's <laughs> going through and so this is like, it's so it's naked Eddie going through like this like yellow green kind of like background. 
that's the representation of his consciousness going through the time stream. Okay. So it's going through and then he sees, oh, wait, Dylan's in pain. So he goes and um, takes over the four life foundation symbiotes that they have. Because originally it was five, um, but Scream isn't there anymore. So it's like Phage, Riot, Lasher, and Agony. I don't know why I know these names. Anyway, so <laughs> he t- takes them over and creates hybrid. Hybrid is the blend of, of all the symbiotes. Okay. And he frees Dylan and he's like, Dylan, I'm so sorry. And he's like, how do I know it's really you? He's like, I, and then Eddie's like, oh my gosh, that's right. He, this is kind of weird for him. But trust me, you have to trust Archer and 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 uh, you have to bond with Venom. And and Dylan's like, that's literally what I did. And that's what got me in this trouble in the first place. And Eddie's like, crap, are you serious? And then so <laughs> he's like, okay, uh, 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 I got to stop this. And so he jumps back into the time. So he releases Dylan. And then he goes back into the time stream to go and take over himself in the past. (laughs) And so he takes over Eddie Brock from the past in the hotel and calls Dylan, which is what the, which is the phone call from the first issue of Venom. So like things are like getting explained through Eddie's perspective and it's making more sense. And it was kind of weird seeing it through Dylan's perspective perspective first because he's just coming across all these different versions of of eddie (laughs) because on top of that the so not that i expect you to remember but if you remember uh when dylan was on the dylan was on the phone with eddie that time eddie physically was downstairs telling him to get ready yeah and that Eddie downstairs was which we found out in like issue five was meridius cosplaying as Eddie to be like to to take out Dylan because something 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 we don't want Dylan alive (laughs) (laughs) and then so Eddie finishes that phone call and then he slips back into the time stream and then while he's going through the time stream he gets like stopped in something red and it's like a giant pool of like blood or goo or something and then Meridius comes in and talks to him and he's like eddie i know you're hopping around time stream hey um you are still new with this Mm -hmm. i know what i'm doing so uh let me show you something real quick and so he takes eddie's presence and puts it inside bedlam while bedlam has his finger through dylan's chest that we saw in the first issue yeah okay and then and then so when Bedlam reveals who he is, it shows Eddie Brock oh. stabbing Dylan. Oh, boy. Our, Everybody's our, like, hey, thanks. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's the reveal. And then the last issue is where it gets weird. If it wasn't weird already. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie's like, oh, shit. Bedlam is Eddie Brock. Yeah. Bedlam is me. Wait a second. And so as he sees his son stabbed and he's trying to fight it, I start thinking about something. And so sure. Bedlam said, we need to make you stronger. Okay. So I'm wondering if Dylan is destined to become Meridius. Like if this is mm. a huge plot yeah, to yeah. just make Dylan insanely powerful because at the end of Kate's run when they jumped into a different universe Dylan became null 
Oh yeah, he became like the the he took over the null symbiote or whatever right. that whole thing was. Right. So there's precedence, <laughs> <laughs> and so Eddie. Uh, so that's the that's where I'm going into this last issue with. And so Eddie is trying to fight Bedlam, and Bedlam's uh, Bedlam is like, no, you did this, you did this, Brock. And 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 he says, yes, too weak, Brock. That's the point of of this all of it and eddie's like please you're killing him he's like pain makes you stronger and then it says weak too weak and he throws dylan away and then eddie gets lost back into the into the time stream and then he comes back to the end of time at the garden and he comes back as this like amorph like this like a, a venom with a with a mouth and just like poorly formed and kind of just like elongated and he's barely holding his corporeal form together. Yeah. I think corporeal is wrong word, but it's fine. <laughs> he tries to attack Meridius and Meridius is like, stop it. You're, 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 you're obnoxious. Yeah. And he says, don't be ridiculous. You're out of, you're made out of symbiote material that I have ultimate control over. I created this garden from the corpses of the last thinking symbiotes after I ate their minds. All of this is mine, my garden of time. Time, Eddie Brock. Time is the cage. Let me show you. And so he like absorbs Eddie and then takes him for this trip. And so you have this weird like Meridius Eddie Brock looking thing. Mm. And he takes it to like an aerial view of the garden. And it's very, very specifically made. So yeah, it is... Oh, God. Okay, I just have to read this. Okay, so he says, Behold, the garden as I see it, a spiral path around and around with a long straight road cutting through it. That road, the true north, is the moment of now, the present time. And the spiral path, that is the path of your life, Eddie Brock, spiraling back and forth in time, but always crossing over with the present. Stand at the center, look north, and you'll see seven junctions, evidence of seven paths. But it's one path, seven times. Do you understand? (laughs) Bedlam is Eddie Brock, the infinite rage this knowledge will eventually drive you to. And then wild is Eddie Brock. After the anger cools, only a cold cynicism remains, masked in petty jokes. Until even that breaks, until you're so desperate to escape fate that Tyro is Eddie Brock. My Tyro, my eager student, learning the ways of his own future self. Because I am the road that encircles your world. You cannot escape me, only become me. Meridius is Eddie Brock. The path always led here. And so all of those symbiote king and blacks that we see at the garden are all eddie brock throughout time <laughs> converging at the same spot yeah right right <laughs> so to further cement that idea meridius comes back to the garden drops off eddie and he's that like elongated venom and then so he's like crap 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 i gotta stop all this i gotta stop all this, this is ridiculous oh my gosh and then he comes back to something the scene from his perspective that we saw in like issue two when eddie when younger eddie first shows up at the garden being introduced to the other kings and blacks tyro and wild and this eddie brock has been named finnegan (laughs) poor finnegan the second iteration (laughs) it was wild who named you that first who named you that first subtle for him 
Finnegan, who must begin again. Um, and so he runs and he tries to, he's like, oh, he says, oh God, oh God, it's you. He was right. And that didn't make sense. The first time we saw this <laughs> from younger Eddie's perspective. And then this is why Tyro, who's the who's the cool blue uh, sad one. That's why he says, I can't watch this because he knows what's going to happen. And then young mm-hmm. Eddie is like, who are you? And then and then Finnegan Eddie is like, please, you just have to listen just a few seconds. That's all I need to. And then Bedlam anger <laughs> Eddie shows up. He's like, hate, hate, hate you. And now it makes sense. And then he says, die, because this is the weak version of eddie this is the finnegan eddie and then so young eddie goes and fights bedlam and bedlam is like yeah i hate you too yada 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 and then when finnegan is like go on do it kill him please because that'll stop the cycle because that's the first eddie first eddie is super confused because he thought he was doing something good because he was trying to protect finnegan and that didn't make sense My God. and then <laughs> so now you get all that stuff so Anyway, now through this issue, they've given context and explanation for all of the other symbiotes that we've been introduced to throughout uh, this run. And it ends. And so Finnegan Eddie starts thinking about this. Bedlam is on a rampage, and Meridius stops him by sending him back to go and deal with Dylan. And so he's like, okay. And so he jumps back through time. So Bedlam is now gone. And Bedlam or Mudius says, you'll always believe there's a way to break out of the flow of these events, no matter how insane, insane you go trying. But there's no way. You're trapped, Eddie Brock. And there's simply no escape. Not until you're me. And then so Finnegan Eddie is like, oh, wait, that's the key. Because we've only met six of the Eddies. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said, oh he my said that God. there's seven Eddies. There's seven paths. And right. he said, Meridius did all this, pulled these strings, built this cage because he's as trapped as we are. Because Eddie becomes Finnegan, then Bedlam, Wild, Tyro, and Meridius makes six. But he said there were seven paths. So someone out there beyond Meridius, beyond my most evil self, there's a seventh Venom. And it ends there. Okay. <laughs> so... Big picture. I think <laughs> I think we're the when when Eddie comes back to Earth, if Eddie comes back to Earth, he will be the eons old perfected seventh version of Venom. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I have to none of this mean I'm sorry. None of this means anything to me. It is. <laughs> It is why so okay. Within comics, there have been other time versions of people interacting with themselves. Yeah, oh, yeah, all the time for the for Goddamn the like, big reveal. Yeah, I mean, X Men love their time jumps, but then mm-hmm. like Doctor Doom has done this in a Fantastic Four story. It was really cool, and, and then you know, classic Kang. You've got the Silver Centurion, uh, the Red. Red Centurion, Kang, Immortus, Ramatut, the the one who the one who remains, and Iron Lad. That's only six. <laughs> Al Ewing was like, bet. <laughs> I can, I can do, do you seven. one better. Yeah. I can do seven. Oh so 
Yeah, I for a for a character arc this massive, it makes me really sad that in three years it's not going to matter. Like <laughs> there, there are some character arcs that I that either mean so much to the character or that I love so much right. that I hate when that writer leaves and someone yep. else takes it on. Yeah, for sure. I think th- this has a potential to be amazing. It's just when you're dealing with time, <laughs> like it's so easy to lose track of the story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. And I am anxiously nervous for this to be a good story. <laughs> but man, so yeah. interesting. That's there's a there's there's a lot. Yeah. That, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Okay. So, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Case in point, right? So yeah. we spent this time with Johnny Blaze being the king of hell, and it started corrupting him. And then Danny Ketch, who's his half brother, gets involved. He becomes the spirit of corruption and purges the corruption out of Johnny. And then with a clear mind. Because Lilith is plotting to take over the Hells with Belasco, this is not a new fight for Mephisto. And so if Johnny is going to go around collecting souls, all the people who've been trying to escape Hell and be Ghost Rider and stop this rebellion from Lilith, it's going to make sense for him to give the seat back to Mephisto. So... Okay. He's now just the pure Ghost Rider, post King of Hell, and the first page is a Johnny Blaze in a therapy session with a scar on his head and no memory of what's going on. <laughs> okay, You're like oh, so we're really starting over. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so before I get into this volume, I'm going to preface this with there has been a history uh, for Marvel these last few months of the second issue or the second volume really bringing the story together. Yeah. And making me excited for whatever's going on. Yeah. Moon Knight did it. Uh, this, this current run of Moon Knight, the Marvels, this Al Ewing's run of, of Venom. Yeah. I want to say a couple others where it's just like the first volume for the most part is just like, Hey, here's the new norm. Here's what we're dealing with. Right. But then the second volume has existed as the, like, this is why we care. Mm -hmm. This is why it's a big deal. Sure. And given that pattern, I, I am more tolerant (laughs) of this ghostwriter story. Because it's the first volume, and it's five issues, and none of them are very connected. Sure. They're all Monster of the Week. Yep. And there hasn't been, with the exception of the scar on the back of his head, which I'll talk about, there hasn't been a connecting like thread. Sure. But second volume, maybe it'll take off. So first issue is Johnny Blaze living in like, a semi Pleasantville type scenario. Like everyone is supportive of Johnny. Everyone's like happy 
he's got he's living with Roxanne. Uh, he's living with his wife. They have two kids. Yeah, Roxanne. It's his childhood sweetheart. They have two kids, uh, Craig and Emma. Yeah, he, he if he he goes to bed with a like a bottle and a half deep into a bottle of whiskey. Okay. And that's how he has silent dreams and silent, silent nights okay. where he dreams of just being like in, in nothingness on a motorcycle, just driving when he doesn't drink before bed, he has these waking nightmares of being engulfed in fire and he wakes up screaming and sweating and just like there's this like shadowy presence that oh my gosh another thing okay so there's this shadowy presence that shows up it's got like spikes oh, on the shoulders eco it doesn't remind me of eco it you reminds never played me eco. yeah i know <laughs> it reminds <laughs> me of freaking what's his name just vengeance oh the the 90s the 90s ghostwriter guy that they decided they wanted to show that he just recently got out of hell oh Anyway, I'm not excited about that. But anyway, so <laughs> there's a shadow, and so like he swings at shadows, and yada yada yada. And so, so like those are terrible nights. And um, every other page, you'll have this flash of like a demon. So his neighbor has this yip yip dog, and then the next frame is like this like super toothy, bloody, yeah demon dog and you're like what and then it goes back to normal and you're like that's odd yeah so it's just like little things here and there like that and then that kind of is the establishing situation for him meanwhile we get introduced to meanwhile the fbi or cia branch that is going to be looking for him he's on the it's the paranormal unit and there's this guy agent wilmer W-H-I-L-M-E-R. Okay. Wilmer. And Wilmer. And he's he wants to transfer out of the paranormal division because he's super numbers guy. He's like, give me, give me numbers, give me spreadsheets, give me anything that's that follows a rule. Because yeah. paranormal doesn't follow the rules and I don't like it. <laughs> okay. And he's teamed up with this lady, Agent Talia Warroad. W-A-R-R-O-A-D. Okay. She looks like your classic goth girl. Sure. You know, black hair, short black hair over one of her eyes. She wears black lipstick. She's got a choker. She's got a leather jacket. Like, sure. Classic, classic. She's got a handful of facial piercings is what it is. She turns, so she has this like dark premonition power. She goes into it later, but basically like she told her second grade teacher that she has a cancer in her, in her kidney. And then two weeks later she gets diagnosed. And then okay. like uh, there was other examples, but that was the one that stuck out to me. She knows about the bad things before they happen. Uh, she knew that like this 10 year old was buried in the backyard of this house of like a, um, a priest or something. And so okay. she reports it. So like she, she has this connection to dark, that seems to seems weird anyway johnny is living his life and then this guy zeb shows up zeb wells no zeb what are you doing in this comic (laughs) as as time goes on more and more veils get get like removed from uh 
Johnny's eyes. And it's so strange. It's really throwing him off. And turns out he's been trapped in this, like, he's been trapped in this town, like, of demons that are, like, trying to keep him there. And Zeb comes across Johnny and he's like, when you went dark, the world went to hell. Let me show you. Let me show you the innocents who have suffered while you were away. And so he gets all these visions of just really nasty, like <laughs> hell stuff. Like, sure. uh, so, you know, like Native American totem poles. Yeah. Imagine that made out of real animals and human heads. Oh God. Okay. Or um, this guy shows a fist with brass knuckles and human teeth on the knuckles. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. It's a woman tied up in barbed wire and hanging. Yeah, just bad visuals. Sure. And Johnny's like, what the hell? And then Zebediah turns into a crow and flies away. Okay. And then, so because of that vision, everyone's like, Johnny, Johnny, come on. Like, you're fine. Everyone's happy here. We're, we're happy here. And Johnny's yeah. like, da F. And he cuts his wife's fingers. And then he gets another flash of her, like, freaking out as a demon and then he grabs the ring he's like listen i don't even remember buying you this ring (laughs) so something's off so he throws the ring into a fire and even though it's metal it still burns and giant fireball giant fire skull shoots into the sky and then it engulfs johnny and he becomes ghost rider and then as ghost rider he sees the world for what it is and everyone's all like demons and stuff and then Basically, he kills all the demons and goes and gets his motorcycle and hops on, turns into this hell rider, and he goes. So I should also say that he's going to a therapist and he talks about one of the things that happened to him where he wrecked on his bike and got completely messed up. Uh, fractured skull, severe concussion, hematoma, bad swelling in the brain, two surgeries, yada, yada, yada. And now he has, because of that, he has this like giant, like kind of curved scar on the back of his head. Okay. That becomes important. So, okay. Anyway, first issue is Demon Town and he gets out. Second issue is, oh, and so we have basically three players on the board we have Ghost Rider, we have War Road, who we find out is looking for. Ghostwriter, and then sure. we have Zebediah and whatever okay. crew he's with. So, War Road talks about how she sees bad things going on, and he's and she sees a flaming skull, and so she wants to find Ghostwriter to figure out what's going on and like why she's having these dreams. Sure. Johnny is holed up at in Idaho at the place at this place called the Cave Inn. Uh, clever. Yep, and. His the scar, his scar. Every once in a while, his scar like opens up, and like an eye, oh, like, uh, is there? Oh, creepy. Yeah, and he's like, man, like my scar just hurts, and like he he keeps on kind of like putting his like hand back there, and every time it looks back, oh. it's like there's this eye, just like, hmm, 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 oh, hmm. oh my and then God. it closes back up, and you're like, Ugh. anyway. So it turns out that this cave in has this tunnel that's connected to all of the mirrors in the, in the hotel. And so like this, the, the hotel keeper is like going around and just like looking at people in their rooms, okay. uh, things. And then, so 
Johnny goes and talks to the keeper and he's like, Hey, I'm kind of a bad way. And he's like, yeah, your bike is really messed up. He's like, I know. Is there anything I can do to like earn my keep here? Like, can I like clean up or whatever you need done? And so Johnny starts cleaning up rooms and he's finding things like he found a human tooth while he was sleeping. He found worms in the drain, in this clogged drain of, um, of the bathtub. He's changing the sheets and he sees like the charred like shadows of people in the bed. He's like, what is happening? It throws him off and he bumps back and he bumps into the mirror and it crashes. And then he finds this like cave and he's going through. He sees everyone in um, the, the, in the rooms. He sees the latest kill, which was this family of three. And then by seeing that he becomes ghostwriter. So, okay. This is written by Percy, and I'm pretty sure Percy didn't do Immortal Hulk, but, and I don't think Corey Smith did the art for Immortal Hulk, but they are definitely doing some body horror stuff now. Yeah. So good when Johnny turns into Ghost Rider, his skin like melts off, and they take their time showing it now, whereas it used to just be like a transition thing. Like he would just like start to flame, and then like maybe like one cell yeah. of like a transition like melt or something like now they're dedicating pages to it <laughs> and they're, they're establishing this kind of like a Hulk banner relationship between the spirit of vengeance and Johnny now. Yeah. Like they're not the same person anymore. They're, okay. they're very separate. It's not Johnny being ghostwriter. It is the spirit of vengeance right. as ghostwriter and it is Johnny and he has no memory of what the ghostwriter is doing. Sure. Okay. And so typically Johnny just wakes up naked or like in after a crash or like in a random barn or in a bathroom. Like it's yeah. just super random. So yeah. anyway, Ghost Rider goes and deals with this guy. Turns out the innkeeper is giving up all these offerings to this big old demon thing whose bottom jaw are fingers to make his jaw. It's Creepy. such a weird yeah, it's such a weird um, design. Anyway, Ghost Rider shows up. He looks at the innkeeper guy and he just says, he points at me, he goes, penance. And then the guy goes, okay. And so he snaps his own neck. And then, <laughs> and, and then the, and then he fights the demon and, and kills it within like two, two pages. But he destroys a gem at the top of the demon's head. So he destroyed the ring in the, in the city, in the town, and then he destroys this demon's like gem thing. Yeah. I assume there might be something to do with that. Anyway, so he kills the demon, and then he like disappears. And then War Road and, and Wilman show up and they see the 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 cave in burning. And then the survivors are like, There was a man, a man of the flaming skull. He did this. Sure. And then War Road's like, I will find you. Anyway, the third issue is deals with this place called the red road which is a super windy road that people tend to disappear and or die on okay and the only reason why the shock factor is gone is because (laughs) i've seen this guy before but there's like this demon truck it's a giant semi that is possessed by a demon that eats people Okay. Like it's an actual semi truck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been living on the red road, I guess, and going around and, and eating people. Yeah. While that is being established, we get 
an introduction to the shadow, the council of night magicians. One guy, alabaster is made up of worms. Okay. He is a giant worm man. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then I'm sorry. No, Alabaster is the one who made the summons. This, the worm guy, I don't know what his name is. And then this wolf shows up and turns into his lady. They both say, you called Alabaster. I answered. And then Alabaster shows up out of a grave. This is in a cemetery. Out, out of a like gravestone like building thing says, I called, you answered. Now that we're all here, you may come forward. And then uh, what news do you have for the Council of Night Magicians? And then a bunch of crows show up and it's Zebediah. And uh, Zeb's like, hey, I just I busted Johnny Blaze out, and he's a damn mess. And a fourth, a fifth person is there, but they don't get, they didn't give us any screen time or introduction to them. So I don't know. It's just hmm. like this cloak behind Worm Man and Wolf Girl. Interesting. And because the only reason why I pointed out is because the five of them stand, and then they make a pentagram of like sure. little flames because yeah. you know night magicians. Of so, course. They're like, well, we got to do something. And Zebediah is like, no, or <sighs> the council is like, we're not, we're going to leave the Ghost Rider alone. And Zebediah is like, nah, we're not. <laughs> okay. um, and so we'll see where that goes. And then you have Johnny hitchhiking with some guy on the Red Road. And then the guy wants to, pulls out a gun and wants to shoot Johnny. And then Johnny defends himself. And then they get out. Oh, and, and then, in the trunk. So while they're talking, there's like a little like fly in the okay. like cabin. And then they crash because of the murder attempt and the trunk pops open and there's like dead bodies with a bunch of flies in the trunk. Okay. And this all happened on the red road, but then there's a car crash in front of them with a semi full of sheep and an SUV. Okay. Everyone's dead. So Johnny is looking at everything and then he sees a giant red semi coming up and and turns out it's the devil's semi. It doesn't they don't give it a name, but like and so like I think they're trying to go for the shock factor, but this semi was in another Ghost Rider book that I read for like the War of, the War of Heaven like a okay. year and a half ago. Okay. It's an actual character. I, I think it's called Devil Semi, but I don't remember what it's called. It's, <laughs> okay. Doesn't matter. They don't give it a name here. He's just the monster of the week here. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> while War Road and Whitley are on the road, <laughs> uh, they stop at the diner. They come out of the diner and a bunch of crows have shat all over the car. So you can't even really see out of it. <laughs> and then so War Road goes, uh, they get them to a mechanic and then the pangs are like, yeah, we'll take care of it. And then Warroad goes into the garage and summons Zebediah. She like lights a, a um a feather on fire, makes a makes a giant salt ring, and then cuts some of her hair and then makes Whitley bleed on it. And she summons Zebediah and she's like, Why are you keeping me from finding the ghost the ghost writer? And he's like, Don't worry about it. And then <laughs> while that happens, Johnny. So this is this like Johnny like tears off his like skin to become Ghost Rider. This is why like Jeez. they're doing like some yeah. real they're horror going stuff. after it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, he's like ripping skin off of his face and 
And it's not another, there's an entire action of saving somebody and a page before he actually becomes Ghost Rider. Okay. But then also like Ghost Rider like sheds Johnny's skin. Like this is all Johnny's flesh here. There's Johnny's head here. And then that's Ghost Rider up there. Yeah. Like it's real body horror shit. So Anyway, Ghost Rider goes to the fallen um, semi truck to fight the devil semi, and it becomes a Hell Rider semi truck, and they clash. And we don't see the fight, but it ends. And then it has Johnny walking on a road, and he's singing to himself. And then this this dark black box quote box speech bubble says the shadow country and he says wait what who said that and then it shows the little scar and it's now now it's teeth and smiling this is the scar on the back of his head it's creepy so then the next issue we have more diving more into the relationship of johnny and spirit of vengeance that the spirit of vengeance sometimes just like leaves notes for johnny to follow Okay. Like it's real banner Hulk shit. Yeah. And so he tells him to go to Route 666 and <laughs> the Circus of Crime is there. Okay. Somewhere in Minnesota. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't um, you know? The Circus of Crime, but they're like they're like super demonically possessed now. Circus of Crime originally was just like hypnotic ringmaster would hypnotize people and and everyone would steal like Right, money of the circus goers. Yeah, yeah, pretty low. So, yeah. So now, the circus will pop up. The music will start playing, and then people get hypnotized by the music. They go, they go and show up, and then you have like this kind of bloody ringmaster being like, "Hi, everyone! You know, welcome to the circus. The star is you." And then have has them do all of the death defying stunts, but they don't defy death. (laughs) So, like. (laughs) <laughs> Farmer John climbs up a ladder and flies on the trapeze and then falls off the trapeze, hits the ground, dies. You have okay. this Lady Sue putting her head in the mouth of a lion, and then the next scene is the lion eating everybody. And then you have a bunch of people hopping into a clown car, and then all of a sudden everyone the clown car is dead, and the clown's on top, and he's got demon faces. Um, then you have like the the, the fire breather uh, sure. performing the fire in front of everyone, and then breathing the fire in everyone and burning them all to a crisp. Sure. So that's a thing. And then, so Johnny's <laughs> like, well, I got to deal with that. So let me spend another page melting my, my face off in a different way and <laughs> turn into Ghost Rider. And he shows up and he shows up after the show and Ringmaster's like, oh, hey, nice of you to join us. Here's a giant clump of bodies to <laughs> Voltron themselves to fight oh my you. God. <laughs> And John and Ghost Rider is like, oh, you think you you trapped me? Oh, please, you you might mesmerize a mind ringmaster, but I can do the same with a soul. And so no. he puts his fire whips, fire chains around the giant mass, and convinces it to spit out the members of the circus. Fire breather twins, like if I cared more about old <laughs> Avengers bad guys, that sure that somehow keep on popping up or <laughs> or Hawkeye's history. I would yeah. know the names of these guys, but, but it's 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 the circus of crime. They, sure. they, they're all covered in blood from being inside that body sure. thing. And then as they get expelled, Ghost Rider just looks at the giant hulking massive bodies and says, you can go now. And it runs away. I don't know where it's going to go. 
<laughs> like it's a it, it's it's a giant mass of hundreds of bodies. It's like 10, 15 feet tall. What anyway? Yeah. I don't understand what's going on, but like Ghostwriter says, you, I know you, but I don't know you. This isn't your way. You're not yourselves. And then Ringmaster says, neither are you, Johnny. But so that took place over three cells. First yeah. cell is the circus of crime. The second cell is a bunch of demons in the same positions as the circus of crime members. And then the third cell is back to the circus of crime. So I don't know. Is it the demons? Is it the, is it the circus? I don't know. Right. But it ends with Ringmaster saying, neither are you, Johnny snapped Ghost Rider out of it and then he like turns turned back into into Johnny but time has already passed and so we come to a Johnny that's on the ground and his scar is bleeding profusely and he's like I don't really know what's going on like I don't know why the spirit of vengeance is keeping secrets from me or like why you know why we've had this change but yeah, I, I thought something was wrong with the spirit of vengeance, but maybe something's wrong with me. And then it shows as he's like contemplating this, it shows a scar again, and it's got like just dozens of eyes and like tentacle things and like centipede feet, like reaching out of it. And you're like, yeah, something's wrong with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and so then after it shows that his hand starts to burn up and melt off and it turns into like a ghostwriter hand and he draws in the asphalt, his next message about for Johnny to go. It says three days, hell's backbone rally, ride or die. So the last issue is doing this thing called hell's backbone. And it's this race where according to legend, Whoever gets to the end from the top, it's 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 this road, this treacherous road called the hell called Hell's Backbone. Okay. And there's this annual, I think, rally that if you get to the end, the devil will meet you and and grant any wish. Sure. And that's kind of the thing. So it's a it's a it's a hell rally. And no issue of the new Ghost Rider would be complete without some body horror. And so for him to turn into Ghost Rider in this issue. Ghost Rider's hands pry out of Johnny's mouth and he pulls himself out that way. God damn. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes to Hell's Backbone Rally. While he's at the rally, the conversation between Zodiah and War Road are happening. And Zodiah gets knocked out by Wilmer. And War Road's like, that's pretty impressive, buddy. And then he's like, there's so much in I have in me that you don't know about. And, and Wilmer turns out to be also a demon. Sure. And so he attacks War Road. That's the last we see of that storyline. Because <laughs> this Hell's Backbone rally is straight out of Wacky Races. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you who is in attendance of, the, of Hell's Backbone. You have a bunch of regular throwaway biker gang guys. Sure. But then you've got Johnny. Yeah. You have the Rhino. Okay. You have Blade. Yeah. You have Boom Boom. Okay. You have Logan. Yes. You have a giant clunky steam-powered Iron Man suit. <laughs> you have Man-Thing. 
you have a guy that looks like an earth version of Raza from the star jammers. <laughs> he's got yeah. the metal arm. He's got the eye patch and he's got a bald head instead of a ponytail, but it looks just like Raza. You have, did I say blade? Yeah. You've got blade. You've got Electra daredevil. Okay. You've got moon Knight. Yeah. And then the two big ones. Yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Dr. Doom. Oh my God. All on their own personalized bikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marvel, never change. Right? You turn the page and you get other reveals like Craven, Bullseye, Black Widow, and then the race begins and you're and people just immediately are shooting at each other to like be first. And then like you <laughs> oh, Loki's here on a bike in the background and you just have, you have this, this one cell of Johnny in front right behind him is Dr. Doom sitting upright on his doom cycle with one arm out and just (laughs) shooting a blast at whoever's next to him, some throwaway (laughs) biker gang guy. And so fights ensue, wacky races happens. Oh, Madrox is here. (laughs) On like 16 bikes. (laughs) Blade and Dracula are getting each other's way. Moon Knight is doing his thing. Boom Boom is blowing up the countryside, creating rock slides to block everyone. And then like black tars. Did you ever? Okay, this is super random, but I hate that I thought of this. So (laughs) there is, there's this old, I think it was a gasoline commercial that they were talking about how clean their gas is. And like, there was like this like sludge monster that was representative of like other companies, less than clean gas. And it's like chasing the car. Okay. You don't remember that. This doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> it's, okay. I mean, it's only like 25 years old. So <laughs> uh, anyway, there's like these black sludge monsters going around. Oh, very reminiscent in design of uh, the baddie from Fern Gully, if that helps. Okay. But with like clawed hands instead of like regular fingers. Okay. There's a loop on this race that Johnny is able to go up and over. When like like a, a, a full Sonic the Hedgehog ass loop-de-loop. Johnny's tire gets shot out and then he falls and hits his head because he's not wearing a helmet. And then that jostled the scar on his the back of his head and this fucking giant like centipede tentacle starts coming out of his scar. Oh my God. Wolverine stops the guy that shot out the tire grabs Johnny and is like, okay, uh, I got you. Let's, let's go. And I don't know why. So, <laughs> so the, the tentacle starts strangling Johnny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Logan saves him. Logan. Well, Logan, sorry. Logan picks him up, leaves the thing strangling and wrapping around his head. And Logan's like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, actually says that. <laughs> and Johnny's like, we have to, don't worry about me. We have to stop this race. Like, forget whatever brought you here. We got to close this road. We got to end this race. And and Wolverine's like, all right. So 
I'm going to, he pops a hole in the tank and then he creates a spark. And so he just bails from the bike. The bike explodes at the entrance of a tunnel. And then he's like, all right, well, since that's over, you want to go down the mountain and go grab a, grab a beer. As he turns around, Johnny is getting, still getting choked out, but now he's getting pulled into one of those little tar pits. And he's like, Johnny. And then we see the cloaked person from the midnight magicians or whatever. And he says, I tried to give you a good quiet life and you rejected that for violence. So I tried to enlist your violence for a grander purpose, but you rejected that too. If you're not going to join us in our path to a shadow country, then I, Blackheart, will be the end of Johnny. We'll have to end Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider. Next, the exorcism of Johnny Blaze. So the other member of that cult was Blackheart. Blackheart is Mephisto's son. Okay. Yeah. So that's that. Five really random Ghost Rider stories with body horror and a, a demonic scar. And yeah, I don't know what's going on with Agent Warroad. And these other players, it's very weird. <laughs> like, this is all like they introduce two new government agents, one of which turns out to be a demon, the other one just has dark <laughs> visions. And then they also introduce this like, there's, there's really good mission. qualifications for, you know, becoming a government agent. Just like <laughs> they really screen for these in the employment process. Clearly. And then you have these like night magician people. All new characters, with the exception of Blackheart, who is a member. It sounds like they're really doing something. Maybe, probably. Hope, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it doesn't sound like it's necessarily my thing, but I feel like horror fans know what they like, and if they like this, cool. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a target audience. I think. Yeah. Now that Immortal Hulk is gone, they gotta have body <laughs> horror somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan. However, I want to see what volume two is now that we've established the tone and the characters of this Ghost Rider title. Let's see what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at. All right. So the prelude to the 12, it's finally happening next next, next episode. So, yeah, what do we know about the 12 so far? We know that it's a group of mutants, that Apocalypse is involved somehow, that Cable is supposed to be the gatherer of the 12, that this is going to be some sort of, like, scheme that Apocalypse will use for, you know, something, something, the future, power. He's been growing in power. He's been resurrected. He, you know, has... Wheels within wheels, etc. And in recent sort of X-Men stuff, Xavier has been acting weird and like on edge because he suspects that there is an infiltrator amongst them. And he basically disbanded the team over this with only really Storm sticking by his side. Meanwhile, Gene and Scott formed together a sort of auxiliary team along with Angel, X-Men, Cable, and Wolverine, the the astonishing X-Men. And they went on a mission to save the Manites. Who are the Manites? Nobody fucking cares. And Wolverine died at the hands of a new character, or so we think, named Death. And he's got like a big, 
you know, red scarf wrapped around his face, glowing eyes, and he carries a big ass sword. Huh. Yeah. Oh, and then there was there were a couple other like plots going on where like all the former uh, the members of the X Men uh, after the team broke up, you know, went on their different sort of road trips. They ran into Sunfire and Lorna. They ran into Mikhail Rasputin. Colossus and Marrow actually are in the middle of bringing him back, uh, Mikhail, back to the mansion. And when uh, Storm, who is kind of like going around with Xavier as he's putting sort of different pr- plans in place, uh, she's overhearing this meeting between Xavier with uh, with Danny and Sam from X Force, saying X Force may also have an infiltrator. And you know, when this is all over, we should establish closer ties. They have no idea what their editorial future is, but it absolutely does not include closer ties. X Force <laughs> is getting canceled pretty soon. And then, you know, in the middle of that conversation, he finds out that Wolverine is dead. So big gathering of uh, all of the X people that they could get on short notice. It is the full teams of normal X men and the new astonishing X men team plus Beast and Moira are there. And this is all going really fast, which just like completely lessens narrative tension or stakes. Signposts very heavily. This is all fake. And Mikhail is also in the lab as condition stabilized, blah, blah, blah. Moira says to Mero as like a passing comment, I'm also going to need to run you through some medical tests, see how far the scroll technology that changed you went, how deep the change goes, what the fuck is going on with your new appearance, etc. Warren leaves to go find Betsy, who's powerless uh, powerless after a psy war because she turned off her psychic powers to lock Shadow King in her brain. There's a quick B-plot where they get followed by some flying saucers and attacked by a doppelganger who's identical to Warren. Betsy does a flying ninja jump kick and hits the, the doppelganger. And yeah, so that's that. So the team gathers for a contentious debrief and Xavier just absolutely lays into Scott. He's like, you chose to lead. Don't hide in your self-pity. You need to answer for the death of one of my X-Men, et cetera, et cetera. Big fight. Team splits into loyalists and questioners. You've got Kurt, Piotr, Kitty, Cable, and Scott, uh, and Cable versus Scott, Gene, X-Men, Gambit, Rogue, and Marrow. And then the ceiling collapses. Everybody starts fighting. Most of the team fucking dies. Turns out to be a psychic ruse by Xavier to determine if any of them are the imposter. Turns out that this whole, like, you know, Chuck being an asshole shtick uh, has been a ruse the whole time. So they go back into the lab. They find out that the imposter was dun, 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 Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> And it was a scroll duplicate that they picked up on their way back from the scroll homeworld during the scroll homeworld arc when they went back in time and tried to save the scroll homeworld from Galactus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you remember, they just put their ship on like regular speed back from the scroll homeworld. Like they didn't have faster than light (laughs) or something. So they just went into like cryostasis for years mm-hmm. to fly just and and they managed to get there like immediately before the magneto war and they saw the whole thing going on they're like hey we could uh we could change this and then something like just randomly like swats them back into orbit for like 
eight right. more days. And they're like, oh, I guess not. So, yeah, it wasn't Magneto's EMP. It was something else. <laughs> and Storm asks, well, if that wasn't the real Wolverine, where is he? Dun, dun, dun. That's your last page stinger. And then X-Men 95. We flash back to that scroll homeworld arc. Some scrolls start getting genetic engineering to be the perfect Wolverine duplicate. A scroll named Fizz questions his orders. He will later pop up as, as a member of Xavier's Cadre K. We don't need to worry about that right now. <laughs> Kurt and Scott repeat their conversation that they had in the last issue about Lorna and being concerned about her as they go to check in on her. Cool little detail about Lorna's powers that kind of gets dropped in here, apropos of nothing. She doesn't sleep, uh, or she's not sleeping because she's, you know, on edge and, and paranoid, but she doesn't have to sleep because she gets energy from the Earth's magnetic field, but it still is kind of like, you know, she doesn't get a lot of the benefits from sleep. She just doesn't physically have to. Hmm. Yeah. God, I wish. I know. Well, you already don't hardly sleep. Yeah, yeah. but but those those four or five hours. <laughs> My God, dude. <laughs> the amount of other things and extra things. The amount of like right dude, now, I'm with you. I would replace like, I would replace sleep with like playtime. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rachel loves sleeping, and I don't understand. It's just like one of her favorite activities. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I like That's doing other true. things. It's not a waste, and sleep is grand, but like, yeah. it just gets in the way more often than anything else. I know. I know. I'm, I'm right there with you. So, yeah, so a scroll disguised as Alex comes uh, to kidnap her, puts an inhibitor collar on her, you know, like knocks her out, says, says she's one of the 12 and that the ally insists that she isn't harmed because she's one of the 12. Okay. Take her back to scroll HQ, but it turns out that it was Cyclops using Nightcrawler's image inducer and inhibitor power uh, callers only work on the person that they're intended for or something. So he blasts them. The trap is sprung. The rest of the X-Men follow due to Jean's psychic rapport with Scott. They come in, attack, big old fight. Death teleports in in the middle of the battle to set a bomb and steal a briefcase. Marrow's the only person who notices and attacks and she and he just like wallops her and like in you know like knowing her weaknesses and she's like it's like we fought before and then death calls gene darlin in the middle of it uh. and it's just like they're they're blowing the reveal as bad as you did <laughs> I, no <laughs> <laughs> No, no, uh, no. <laughs> uh, so Colossus punches him and breaks his mask. And uh, yep, page turn, big reveal, death is Wolverine. Who would have ever thought? Yo, Yo! what? I never saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a wow. direct quote from Wolverine. It's just that it's so maddening like he talks like you know it, he has he still has all the verbal tics of of wolverine like saying darlin or you know dropping the g's on his gerunds or you know uh saying like oh instead of of right 
but he speaks in this really elevated diction. So, like, his quote, like, the final page reveal on this, he says, The name you speak, the man it belongs to, are no more. All that's left is death. And he teleports away. And next we've got X-Men Unlimited 25, which picks up immediately after. They're flying away from the Scroll HQ. They're like, who could possibly be behind this? It couldn't have been the Scrolls. And they just, like, seriously can't put together that, like, death would be sent by apocalypse. <laughs> like they mention it like as one of the possibilities, like cables there. Well, I mean, he's not on the plane with them, but like you've been hanging out with cable lately cable. You didn't think to tell everybody like, Hey, this 12 thing is happening because of apocalypse apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That's out. Yeah, and they also, like, they put together that the reveal of Logan being death was purposeful to destabilize them psychologically. It's like, okay, at least there's an explanation here besides, like, just selling comics. Like, (laughs) it's just, this is the barest form of, like, you outlined this all. And you're just like, okay, in this issue, it ends with this reveal. It, you know, this issue ends mm-hmm. with the reveal that Wolverine isn't, it, that it was a scroll. Or like this issue ends with the reveal that Wolverine is death. Like it's just so like mechanical and inorganic and just like, like real paint it's like by season numbers. Eight of Game shit. Of Thrones. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's some real paint by numbers shit. But at least I guess they came up with an explanation besides like just selling comics. Okay, so basically the rest of the issue comes together as a like everyone takes turn because this is an X-Men Unlimited issue, so it's like not main story stuff. And everyone's just kind of like taking turns reminiscing in like narrator captions or telling a story or writing a letter or whatever about Wolverine and what he means to them. So first it's Xavier. He's sitting around with photos of Thunderbird, Ilyana, Doug, Warlock, Revanche, Joseph, and Changeling, everybody, you know, who has died under his watch and moping and reflecting on Wolverine's first mission that he saw him go full feral against the Ungari and how Xavier made it his personal mission to save Wolverine from his like rages as a reflection of his broader dream for peaceful coexistence for humans and mutants. Like this is the mutant that everybody's so afraid of. If I can like, you know, reach him, then this is like a referendum on my entire dream. Basically. Kurt goes next. He reminisces about the history of their friendship, specifically a mission uh, that they went on to make peace with Alpha Flight and then ended up teaming up against Wendigo. Snowbird, in the middle of it, goes too deep into an animal persona, and Wolverine is the one who's able to coax her back from sort of like the animalistic and like refined the the human and the animal, et cetera. Well, I guess Snowbird isn't human, but still, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Next, it's Jean's turn. <laughs> she says to Scott, you know you're the man I will love for all eternity, but there's a reason what? Logan will will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, it's called Sploosh. Uh, <laughs> I mean... 
give it 20 years. Right. <laughs> she gets hers. Yeah, I'll be a thruple. It's fine. But she tells the story about the time that he just had the adamantium ripped out of him in Fatal Attraction uh, crossover. And he was clinically dead. Uh, dead and yet came to in time to save her life. She's she's being pulled out, you know, sucked out of a spaceship with a hole in it as it happens. Yeah. And and yeah, <laughs> next <it's, laughs> and the sploosh part. Next, it's Rogue's turn. She reminisces about when she first joined the X-Men. Wolverine hated her because he was such good friends with Carol Danvers from all their missions back in the day. And one of their first missions uh, together on the X-Men, she threw herself in the way of an energy blast that almost killed her. And Logan had, you know, like touched her to give her his healing factor. And she's like the best feeling that I've ever felt was proving myself to Wolverine. Aww. I know, right? And then Banshee and Polaris are hanging out. Polaris says, like, it's incredible how he became the conscience of the team. Like, he's, you know, after being the most unstable person, now he is, like, you know, the backbone. And Banshee's, like, remembers uh, the, just the depth of his personality that brought him together with Mariko and what an unlikely pairing that was. And then the rest of the X-Men who went on that mission to the scroll headquarters return. Jubilee's pissed off that they saw Logan, but didn't bring him, weren't able to bring him back. And she stomps off and Marrow is the one to go and comfort her. And somehow it works. It's a really cool conversation. She's like, Wolverine tried to like, you know, put me under his wing the same way he did to you. You accepted it. I rebelled, but we've got the same sort of story. We're all donors and orphans and he takes care of us. And then she writes him a letter remembering the first time they met when they escaped the Reaver ambush in Australia together after he'd been crucified. And then there's, so that's it for that. There's a backup story in that issue. Um, it's just it's just like a flashback of of a Wolverine story where they're taking out some he's taking out some asshole trophy hunters somewhere in Manitoba I think he like you know they're they're just like going around and killing animals for sport and mounting their heads on the wall and and so he you know goes and destroys their RV and all of their guns and strips them down to their skivvies and has them run back to to the city he says, go take up a better form of recreation, like bowling or pie eating. <laughs> it was it was fun. And then the last issue that I've got for today is uh, Wolverine number 145. And that starts with more of a blow-by-blow detail of how Wolverine got abducted by the scrolls, the effects of the scroll Wolverine undermining Charles and the team constantly, saying like, oh, he's lost it, blah, 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 blah. We find out that it really was the scroll Wolverine who fought the Hulk. So props to him for that. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd immediately question my mission. <laughs> well, the part of it is like they they forget that they're not actually Wolverine. You know, like the duplicate. So it's it's that deep of a of a deep fake. And then from there, the issue kind of splits between two storylines that bounce back and forth. Uh, there's a flashback to Wolverine getting the conditioning, like the 
his process to becoming death and then the present where apocalypse sends wolverine aka death after hulk is revenge for turning down his offer to become the horseman war mm. there's a there's a reference to akbar and jeff from the comic strip life is hell by matt Groening, who went on to do the simpsons which is dope. The Akbar and Jeff are great. Anyway, uh, so the past storyline, you know, so he's been kidnapped. He's brought to Apocalypse. He's put into a cage fight with Sabretooth with the conditions that the winner becomes the horseman. And Sabretooth at this point has, you know, the adamantium skeleton and claws. And the fight is anticlimactically short. Wolverine, <laughs> like, it. it's like three pages and one of them is like entirely a splash page of Wolverine winning. <laughs> okay. And Wolverine like pulls out his heart, but obviously Sabretooth doesn't die from that. And he reasons like, you know, he has a chance to shake whatever mental programming apocalypse is going to do to him. Whereas uh, Sabretooth would enjoy it or something. And so they go through the adamantium transfer process, blah, blah, blah. And then in the present storyline, Hulk fight. And then Wolverine reveals that, you know, he now has the adamantium claws. So this is, this is the issue where he gets his adamantium back, basically. After seven years without, uh, without adamantium, it's a, it's a good long run. That's, six, yeah. Six, yeah, maybe six years. But anyway, yeah, decent amount of time. And he's he's got the killing blow on Hulk, but he's able to stop himself at the last minute. So there we go. There's still some Wolverine in there. We have the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so the way has been fully cleared for the 12. And uh, if you want to read that next week, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well. And with that. Anything else you want to tell all of the good people out there? Before we make our trails? No, but I will say, I feel like because I come up with the ideas, it gives me a small advantage that it's been in the back of my mind. So I don't know when, but I will tell you that one of our random draft, Marvel draft things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. A four-man team of X-Force. X-Force. Yeah, so the scenario is going to be, has to be mutant. Okay. Can't have been on X-Force before. Cannot have been on X-Force before. Yeah. Brand new team. Interesting. Okay. And the purpose is like the the Utopia era X-Force, Black Mm. Ops. Yeah. Removal of anti-mutant people. Okay. So... It's been in the back of my mind, and I felt it was unfair for me to come in prepared and, you, and yeah, not you. Totally. So, so yeah, and and you'll be getting you'll be getting the first pick because I got the last one. Okay, I already I was gonna know you're do... going to steal my first pick. But that's fine. Maybe so because I was going to do you get one. I was I was going to say like kudo like extra points for new people. Yeah, and then I was like, no, maybe we just do one who's been on X-Force, and then three new. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, okay. All brand new. Because I, oh man, I really wanted to do Phantom X, but he's been on X-Force. Oh yeah, he has. I love Phantom X. Yeah. So yeah, Black Ops. is obviously also. Wolverine's out. Lore Kinney is out. Yep. 
archangels out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good X-Force members because <laughs> I like, it would have been fun to do Caliban because just amazing tracker, but like he's out. That's right. Elixir yeah. is out. Mm. Uh, Domino is out. Well, Domino's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So technically Sage is out. Unfortunately, okay. she's a great, she'd be, that great would one. be a good one. Yeah. But yeah, so Black Ops, Kill Crew, four members, brand new people. Okay. I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm into it. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to do that next week, but we're going to, it's going to happen at some point. Just let you know. Cool. Percolate in the back of your head. Yeah. So next week, off the top of my head, there is, oh God, Spider Man 2099. It's like an event. There's like seven oh. issues. Oh god. There's there's an alpha, one through five, and an omega. Okay. <sighs> Not looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I know I've got that. And there's like uh potentially Black Panther, potentially Reckoning War Part Two. Trials of X Part Two is out this or last week. So that'll but like I don't know as far as like trials versus more rain. I don't know how that plays out. So we'll just yeah. figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Definitely Spider-Man 2099. I don't know what the other books I am. I'm going to read okay. are. Okay. And then you've got. I've got 12. the 12 and Ages of Apocalypse. And Ages. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, then with that, yep. let's put the outro music here oh. and then uh, <laughs> we'll call it a day <laughs> <laughs> but yeah hit me up when you get back I'm going to watch here on this thing I'm really cool yeah